It's Tuesday night, 8 p.m., and you are tuned into Nerd Initiative YouTube. What is going on, everyone? Ken M. from the ODPH, Tom from Off the Cuff, and returning to the comic book edition of the Nerd Initiative bullpen is the one and only Matt from Hops Geeks News. And you know if he's back in the building, we have a big book to talk about. And what bigger comic is going on right now than from Boom Studios, Something is Killing the Children. So we're going to deep dive into volume one. So sit back, relax, grab a favorite beverage, and grab a good book. Because you know what? It's time to turn a page. Welcome to Turn a Page, the official comic book club for Nerd Initiative. Each week, the NI Bullpen will be covering the world of comics, talking to creators, deep diving into some fantastic stories, and much more. Now let's hand it over to the team and turn a page. And what is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. You know me as the host of the ODPH podcast, but I'm also Nerd Initiative's Comics Editor-in-Chief. To my left, your right, I don't even try this. Uh, yeah, I'm not Ken M. My name, coming at you live and direct, straight from a folding chair in the ODPH studio. My name is Off The Cuff Tom, your pop culture connoisseur. Always a pleasure being here, Mr. Ken. And same thing, Nurse Initiative. Thank you for having me back. As always, a pleasure. Absolutely. And returning, finally. Look at me, Nan Green. Yes. Sporting that Nerd Initiative merchandise, folks, which we would definitely be throwing up the QR code all through tonight's episode, is the one and only Matt from Hops Geeks News. Matt, what is going on, fam? Move over Dwayne The Rock Johnson. This is the biggest return the world has seen in a week. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you say he kind of was the warm-up act for you because, I mean, obviously everybody's checking out Turn a Page, and you're finally here on the East Coast it is great to have you back on the show, and we have a very, very big book to talk about that is generating a lot of buzz, and rightfully so. But before we get into that, I definitely want to get one plug out of the way, because there is a book that's very close to our hearts here at the Nerd Initiative Bullpen, and that is Inferno Girl Red Book 2. The Kickstarter campaign is going on just for a couple more days. Two, so, in fact. Yes. So if you have not signed up for whatever reason... Above Tom on your screen is the QR code. We're going to be having that all night, so you can make sure you click on Do Not Miss the Copy because, trust me, it's going to be one of the biggest books it's of 2024. It's hot. It's hot. Exactly. And like I say, if you need a quick QR code, we're even going to throw this one in for you because we definitely want to make sure that everybody has a chance to get this book. It is definitely generating a lot of buzz amongst the comics community. Like I say, Erica Durso, Matt Groom is put in some fantastic work on this, along with Igor Monti and Becca Carey. The team over there has really put something special together, and you definitely don't want to miss out on this any which way, shape, and or form. So, like I said, all through tonight's episode, the QR code will be up above Tom. So if you need to click on it and you got to just kind of see what kind of tier you want to sign up for, go right ahead and make sure you sign up because you definitely do not want to miss this book. Yes, indeed. Set the infernal precedent. Yes. Set the infernal precedent. Indeed. But we have another book to talk about that Matt brought up, and this is one that we have been huge fans here at Nerd Initiative about, and it is one of our personal favorites. And what else can we say 
Something is Killing the Children by James Tinian and Werther Delerta, Miguel Murto. Matt, what compelled you to bring this to the table for us? Man, it's, you know, one of the hottest issues out there right now. It, it It's the crisp fallness is in the air. You know, Halloween decorations are starting to go up. And so what better way to also, you know, I, I've been missing out. I've been watching you guys absolutely crush it while I've been moving across the country. And I was like, man, you. what you. is an absolutely good book to pick for this week? And something is killing the children. It's perfect. You know, issue 33 drops tomorrow. And if people are, you know, it's not too late to catch up. 33 issues is nothing. And so I figured why not kind of talk about issues one through five and kind of for anybody who hasn't picked it up yet, give them a reason to before it's too late. Oh, absolutely. Tom, what's your feelings on something is killing the children before we even jump in? Okay. So as everybody kind of knows here, I stay in a very niche uh, genre of books. So when I saw this one come up on, uh, you know, my uh, books from Boom, I was definitely apprehensive because one, uh, killing and children, uh huh. And then because this was now required reading for work, uh, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. Um, again, going into it, you know, as everybody kind of knows, or the majority of folks know, I haven't done horror or anything in about 10 years. Mm -hmm. Thank you, my wife. <laughs> Shout out to her. Um, so I'm always apprehensive on watching or reading or doing anything around her because if she gets the, the semblance of an idea of something, all the lights are on all night and we can't, I can't <laughs> sleep. So being having the opportunity to read this today while she was at work and like Matt said, and like the guy said, it is very easy to catch up on 33 issues because I banged out five in about what, uh, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. I was also cooking dinner. Mm -hmm. So it, it was definitely a good, easy read to do. You know, for me, this series does one style of storytelling better than I think anybody in the game right now. What style is that? And that is slow burn drama. I was about to say that exact thing right there. Honestly, James Tinian is killing it, no pun intended, with every book he does, but this is the one that as he's building the story, you can really start getting invested in the characters and you're not revealing anything right away. You really have to sit and read and process what is going on. And then when you get to the climax and to the point where it's like, okay, now everything's hitting the fan, you really get that sense of like, whoa, what in that emotional reaction? which is very tough to pull off, but it's something that has become a trademark for the series as time has gone on. And each time that we as fans dive into the series, and like I say, it's not a hard catch-up if you're just jumping in now because it's pretty soon after the whole SAG After Strike, it's going to really start picking up some steam as it was picked up for Netflix yep. as an option. It's going to be a perfect time to jump in and really see how this is done. And especially with taking something like the horror genre, and really doing a unique twist on it because it's not a typical setup by any means. And what is really frightening is not what the monsters that the hunters are fighting. It's really what is behind the hunters themselves. And I think that that is just such an interesting dynamic as we get into this series. And really kicking off too, it was really hidden about what was going on at first. And in case anybody is just tuning in now, we are going to be talking spoilers. You have been fair warned. So as we're jumping into the first part of this issue, it starts off as a normal, you know, slumber party, I guess. 
where you have a, a bunch of boys are kind of sitting together and, you know, just really kicking the breeze. But one decides to bring up truth or dare, and they keep going after this one boy named James. And James is describing his nightmares. And I, and I thought this was such a, like a unique thing that he's doing because he's coming up with these elaborate things about how we go to the ravine in, in Archer Peak, Wisconsin. And when we went down there, some people didn't come back and something you know, was killing them and, and tearing them apart. And really given this vivid imagery that as you're sitting there watching, you're going, what is, what is this kid doing? Because everybody around him is just like, they're entranced by the stories but I don't really feel that they were buying in. I mean, Matt, what's your take on that? Yeah. So I initially, I was behind the curve initially. I, I missed, I probably picked it up 15 issues in is when I finally started to get into this. And so it's very much in the beginning. It starts off kind of fast before eventually kind of slowing the pace down. But you're right. It's it's just a bunch of guys being dudes at a sleepover. They're truth or dare. They're kind of picking on James a little bit, uh, whether he deserves it or not. It's just everybody, you remember as kids, you'd always pick on that one friend of yours. And uh, mm -hmm. it, it guilty. Yeah, I, we all did. I did it. We all did it. Yeah, oh, it was. It. And, no, I was the one picked on. Well, the, you know, we can tell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one thing that like one of my very first horror movies that I've ever gotten into was A Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's what the vibe mm. of this gives off, because just like in A Nightmare on Elm Street, only the kids can kind of see what's going on. The parents are kind of oblivious to it now. The parents knew about what was going on in Nightmare versus this. But, yeah, right from the get go, you're very much like all right, we, we're, we're starting with some suspense when they go out into the woods. And that's just, James does a really great job of building suspense. That's one of the best things. And probably why he's, you know, he's out there crushing it in comic books right now is because his ability to create suspense and capture you from page to page immediately. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Tom, when you're seeing this unfold and then when you turn out that the nightmares turn out to be him getting interrogated by the police, like what's your reaction seeing this? It was one how why like there should here we go with all the jargon. Uh, why are they interrogating a kid without his parents? Mm -hmm. Number one, because you know I've watched way too much serial. Uh, I've seen Ice T on Law and Order. Dun, 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 it, it, yeah, dun. I mean seriously, like I just wanted to know why why. It, oh, sorry, that's a <laughs> terrible Ice T impression. Yes, but, it is. <laughs> we uh, apologize no, for that. No offense, he he did a wonderful job last year at uh, New York. Anyhow, yes, he um, did. <laughs> Anyhow, it was it was really surprising how just they were just twisting the screws on the kid. And then to see, you know, the aftermath of, of you know, all this that went down and, and when he went to school the next day. And that had some really cool repercussions and the, the whole principal and then how. Anyway, well, because, I'm getting ahead of it. No, no, because as, as you talked about, he gets interrogated and he has to return to school. And especially in, in small town USA. This is a, a horrific deal for anybody to process. And as he's going to school, he's walking in and he's seeing the pictures of the victims of the monsters. Because at this point, it's in double digits. I believe it's at 14 now. I think at this point, it was still nine dead. 14 okay. comes a little bit later, I believe, in issue three or four. Mm -hmm. Once they get once we get start getting more solid numbers. But at this point, it was uh, nine confirmed. But either way, I mean, missing. the body count Five is dead. so massive. Right. That as he's getting in school, he's getting bullied because he's the only survivor. So he should know what's going on and he can't explain what's happening no. because everybody he's trying to tell is like, yeah, they're monsters. Nobody believes him. And then there's just this horrific uh, visuals that I didn't put up on the screen, but 
trust me when I say this, the one thing about this book is they don't hold back about the gore and the violence when it's needed. It's never forced. Yeah, but, and I, I will give them that. Again, because of the whole me and being iffy about horror, it was done tactfully. Mm-hmm. Smart, well, tactfully is one word, but smartly. Like, it wasn't gore for the sake of gore. Yeah. I mean, Matt, what's your take on the gore, too, here, especially so early? Yeah. It, that, again, you're you're intrigued, but it, you're right. There's not just senseless killing, especially with something sensitive like, you know, children dying, right? Nobody mm-hmm. wants to just jump in there and see kids of all things dying needlessly, but there is a purpose. There's something going on. And I think this really attributes to what Werther's doing and his ability to pretty much... He, it's like a grungy art style almost, which makes that gore sequences pop a little bit more at that. And you're just like kind of taken aback in a, in a really good way. Yeah. I mean, I think they handle it tastefully just showing about like how really frightening the situation is. And as you're seeing, I mean, James is the only survivor that's seen this and is, is, is telling the tale, but nobody is really believing him. Mm-hmm. And as he's going to school, he's getting bullied because people are just so mad about you know the families and friends that they've lost, and he literally is is getting blamed for it, and to the point where he has to talk with the principal, and the principal is like, if you wanted to fight back, you can, and he's like, I wouldn't you know blame you, and he's like, what you know what can I really do? Like I want to just try being normal. Can we also talk then, about real quick, by the way, how messed up it is to make this kid who just went through a horrific sequence go back to school literally like the next day? Yeah. That was one thing I was going to bring up later when we were like doing like the good and the bads is they didn't establish like the time frame. So I was like saying, if this is next day, like this is some really call CPS. (laughs) Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. seriously, something's got to be done about this. If this is next day, because the way I took it is like, this has been going on for like a week or so because just of how you're thinking about when you started at the slumber party to then being at the police to then going to back to school and especially for having everybody get immediately all those pictures up, the flowers up, you know, the memorials. It had to be some time going there. But, that, like, I agree with you. It was not cleared up. But when he comes out of school, this is where we see somebody that has definitely been such a standout character in this story and so many others. And that is the one and only Erica Slaughter. So hot. And when she comes in and she makes her appearance... Like I say, when we first see her, she com- she's coming out of the woods from killing a monster. And we have to remember that. And when we see her, she's getting a phone call from a, an organization. Well, we know later on is not exactly the most up and up, if you will. And that is the Order of St. George. But when we see her finally come to town, because she has Archer's Peak written on her hand, she does meet up with James and she literally turns out to be the only friend he has because we now see her going and saying, like, listen, just tell me everything. And for him, Matt, what do you think is going through his mind that he finally has somebody to believe him now? Well, yeah, it's exactly that, right? All he has been wanting to have this entire time is to be heard, like somebody to believe him. Some, And so here comes Erica, who is one of the more – she belongs up there, you know, with Ripley from Alien as far as like badass female characters. Because Absolutely. She kicks mm-hmm. so much ass in this entire run. And 
just having somebody to listen to. That's all you want. Anybody. It doesn't matter if you're James. It doesn't matter if you've gone through something. You just want somebody to listen. And she does. And so he's very drawn to her right away. He doesn't want to leave her side. While at the same time, he shows a lot of bravery because he wants to help just as much as he wants somebody to listen. Mm -hmm. Tom? Uh, Hot. Like, you know, goth Buffy vibes. Like, I I definitely got that off of that. Um, (laughs) I got a type. Uh, I I just enjoyed the fact that she is just no nonsense. But at the best part, best thing, I don't think she was overbearing, realizing that there was a child who was distraught. Like she was like she she talked to them as if they were a person, not a kid. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of compassion. Like that's she's very not one dimensional. She's very business. She wants Mm -hmm. to go out there and she's strong and wants to be independent. But at the same time, she's very compassionate. And that's a standout. Sorry. Oh yeah. No, I think that's the biggest thing about her is she's a very multi-layered character. Like an onion. And there's, yeah, there's so many levels to, to her. Just onions. And when you see it, it come to form here, because like I say, you see her from just killing a monster and now meeting with James and just taking him to a diner and really thinking like, okay, I want to, I want to interrogate him. I want to really make sure I understand what's going on here because in her mind, She's being compassionate, but yet she's being precise about dissecting what exactly is out there. And when you see that little scene at the diner, it really kind of adds a little more to the budding friendship, almost like a mentor-mentoree type vibe that's going on because James is finally now have a friend and he's willing to do whatever to not lose her like he's lost his other friends to the monster. And if I can add on top of that, using the, the fact of a diner is does have some really cool symbolism. And if you think about it, um, the diner, especially in small town, you know, rural America, is pretty much the heart of a of certain towns oh, yeah. and areas. Mm-hmm. So using that as a place of comfort to let the kid relax, to try and, you know, get into his head is a really good idea. Because trust me, um, if anybody takes me to a diner and gives me a plate of gravy fries, uh, I'm your best friend. I will tell you my deepest, darkest secrets. So to do this just as, you know, as a warm blanket to get what we can out of him was a very smart idea. Plus, it's also somewhere uh, familiar. It's nothing that's tied to the kid as far as, say, the school or as cold, as disheartening as the police station was. It's somewhere that he knows and is comfortable at. Absolutely. But while he's there, though, they do run into another character that's going to play a bigger role, and that is Tommy. Mm-hmm. And he is the restaurant owner, and he sees James and has a very negative reaction towards him because his sister is one of the missing victims, presumed dead, from whatever has been going around and killing the children. So when he's seeing that, ah, he said to me, when he's seeing Erica together, uh, he definitely is coming off very standoffish. And, I mean, we do find out as the story progresses with him his reasonings behind it because what he says is James is responsible for everything. Like, this is all made up. He did it to them. He's a serial killer. And and to paraphrase, it's we're going to have to stop him. He's the problem. Meanwhile, Erica is trying to deflect it and just say, okay, let's map out what has happened. So this is where everybody's been going and really does her due diligence about tracking down the monster. And when we see this, though, there's some, Tommy obviously understands something's wrong, and this is where the police come into play because they have to really say, okay, there's something weird going on here. So when the sheriffs eventually track down Erica at her hotel, 
we do see this image, and this is one that was kind of brought up a little bit, uh, but it's in full force, the octopus doll. So, Matt, when you're seeing this come to play in the true meaning behind this mysterious object, what is going through your head? It's clever, man. Honestly, it's adding more to the story. It's intriguing because now you're like, okay, wait a second. This doll isn't just a doll. It's an actual spirit it's it's got its own personality it's got its own thing behind it now you want to know what's going on with that and there's just so many things you want to peel back and just unravel this story and you want it now but of course we're gonna we're gonna work our way towards that and you don't really know what's going on and uh yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's intriguing to say the least yeah tom uh, I liked I liked the idea. I think it definitely adds a fantastic layer. And I mean, just looking at the character, um, you know, speaking of another particular character in the mystical realms of the comic books, I got very, even though it's orange, Oct- uh, the character's Oct- name is Octo. Uh, kind of lazy in my opinion, but that's just another thing. Um, I got a very uh, Indigo kind of vibe, you know, from, mm. you know, DC's Indigo yeah. and the House of Mystery, uh, yeah. but only orange. Yeah, so as Erica is taken in for questioning, she is taking the upper hand on the sheriff that is there. And I like how she has developed this knack for flipping the questions onto the authorities. Because, I mean, obviously, she has a little more insight to what is going on, but she doesn't tip her hand at any point. Nope. And, Matt, when you're seeing this interrogation scene going on, like, what is going through your head as you're seeing her turn the tables on the sheriff? FTP. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> seriously though, as a family friendly show, you know, F the police is what I'm thinking. And it's it's again clever writing. It's it's she is such a strong character from the get-go, and she obviously knows what's going on. And the cops are just you almost feel for the cops because they don't mm-hmm. have an explanation. So in this instance, they're really just trying to do their job, albeit yeah, they went about it a little bit of wrong ways as you know, interrogating a child without his parents there. That's neither here nor there. But Mm -hmm. They just want answers. Everybody at this point just wants answers. And she's almost being a little smug about it. And it's just kind of like smug, aloof. Yeah. Like she's, she's almost out of pocket at at the same time as clever as she is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing, Tom, what's your take on this? I mean, I love the fact that when during the interrogation, she was just so eh, smarmy, Mm -hmm. aloof, sarcastic. I mean, I could go on and probably do a bunch of other adjectives. Um, but the fact that at some point the tables turned and instead of her interrogating that them interrogating her, she started getting info out of them. You know, who's the smartest man in the room? The one that's getting the answers, the one that's giving the questions. Yeah. And I think that does play into her character. I mean, completely, because when you're dealing with such a mysterious threat and you're the expert on it, you have to be very subtle about how you're getting your information because, Mm -hmm. You obviously, for where the location is, she is definitely sticking out like a needle in a haystack. And you can definitely tell, like, she is somebody that the town is very weary of. Wait a minute. There's not a there, the Wisconsin doesn't make a ton of hot goth chicks. Well, I would say not ones that are running around with machetes with blood on them, <laughs> uh, running through the streets and also trying to they uh, mostly just hang out in Madison. Yeah. So they, like I say, they're just they're trying to find their way, and really kind of see what she's doing. But obviously, with her track record, and and she's not being very subtle about 
what she's looking for because she is asking direct questions and more or less winds up getting released, which I thought was an interesting play because the sheriff, I think, was convinced during the interrogation that she knows what she's doing. I need to step back. And I thought when this moment happened, this was a really big point because this is the first time we've seen this. I also think that it comes from the fact that she said, look, you're going to get a call. You're going to let me go. Mm -hmm. All right. Back the F up. I know what I'm doing. Put your tail between your legs. Let me do my job. So, yes, I agree with you that the cop realizes that, yes, she knows something else is going on. But at the same time, if he's getting a call from up top, it, it, he does not want to mess with whatever chain is being rattled all the way down to his position. Yeah. I mean, Matt, what do you think in this situation as well? Yeah, I also took it as he's if he wants any answers, he kind of needs to follow her. So it's more of like, all right, you know what? I'm going to let her do her thing. And as we see, he kind of just hangs back in the shadows and observes and gathers some information and kind of does his thing, which is really smart on his part because this is the best way to get information. She clearly knows there's something going on. He gets the phone call. All right, let's play the observe and report kind of deal. Mm -hmm. So then when she's free, this does not sit well with Tommy of all people. Wild card. Because, yeah, which it was kind of alluded to that he does have a connection with the monster in the beginning, but mm -hmm. it's never really kind of specified. And because there's a great panel shot of the monster standing over him. And you're not sure if the monster is going to go after him or not. But it, we then wind up seeing somebody else get kidnapped by the monster later. Well, here's an interesting, interesting thought. Not that we have a basis off of it at this point, but going back to that particular scene where Tommy's outside of his car and the, mm. the monster's hanging over him, he might possibly be, and I'm just going to theorize this because, again, I haven't gone past issue five, um, he might be the only uh, sibling of one of the victims at that point. And the monster's, you know, seeing the the aftermath of, of, you know, of what he's done and see how it affects people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be, I mean, like I say, it's, it's quite possible that you could see Thanks, this spread. Yeah. You could see this play out, but it's, it's a situation that, yeah, there's more going on with him. But once he sees that James is free, Erica is now free. Tommy decides to take matters into his own hands mm -hmm. and he does wind up acquiring a gun, which is, really kind of tipping of what he is going to wind up doing because he's even vowed if the police aren't going to do anything about it, I'm going to do something. About yes. It. Which, which makes just even for a messier situation because, you know, as we start progressing on with the issue, you know, you start seeing that somebody else has been kidnapped and Erica is sitting there trying to process what's going on. She has the plan figured out. And then James is in there trying to tag along, and she's saying, no, this is not for you. Nope. Like, I'm going to the ravine. I'm going to need a lot of weapons. And when this moment hits, I mean, Matt, when you're seeing, okay, we're finally at the crescendo for this, that she now knows where the monster is. She's gotten enough information. She can go attack, and she's having that final standoff, and she's going to get the weapons. What is going through your head? I want to know what she's going to grab because – clearly she's killer. I want to see how she's going to work this because you, in, in your mind, it's like, well, obviously you want to take guns, but no, she's, she's got her, her swords, her knives, everything like that. And you're like, all right, now we're going to see her go to work. We've, we've seen how smart she is when, you know, dealing with other people. 
let's see how she can work in the field. And man, she puts on a show. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Tom, what's going through your head too? You need a montage, a motherfucking montage. Honestly, that's all I'm. That's all I'm hearing when I'm reading this. You need a montage, a scary mask montage. Well, this is actually coinciding too with the panel we have on the screen from issue four, because this is the first time that we see her don the black mask of the Order of Saint George, and this is kind of a big deal because prior to she's just been walking around somewhat normal. I mean, we did see a little glimpse of this when she came out of the woods in yep. issue one. But there wasn't any kind of real clear-cut what is going on here. But this is when she's finally figured out, okay, what I need to do, how I need to do this. And she is winding up going to the uh, the ravine to go stop the monster because she's tracked it down. And once she goes inside there, I mean, this is where I think everything really hits the fan, literally. Because when she's inside and she's telling James, stay out, like whatever you do, don't come in here. She walks into one of the most horrific scenes, and Doerta, I mean, his, his artwork, I mean, just in the scene, as gruesome and horrific as it is, it makes such an instant impact. Very much. I mean, when you're seeing that there's, unfortunately, these bodies just lying in a cave, just decimated. I mean, the series obviously holds nothing back. And it's, it's not shown, like, in, you know, super close-ups but you have enough imagery there that you can piece what's going on it's not like watching that first episode of castlevania on netflix where things were just too gruesome for the sake of being gruesome it was it was a nice pull out you understood what you were seeing in regards to uh the way that the uh anatomy of things were placed in particular ways and shapes and forms that it you knew what was going on and you didn't need to know everything that was going on. It's the best way I can describe it. No, I would say so too. I mean, Matt, what are you thinking when you're seeing this? I feel it's almost a lost art in horror nowadays, which is the ever people love to just almost do gore and torture for the sake of doing it for that shock value. And Mm -hmm. what this comic does really well is they don't just do that. They make these, these moments hit and they have a purpose and, really when they come there that's the shock like dang and it makes perfect sense and it's very much like oh yeah there are real stakes this is this is real stuff going on this isn't just like a fun kids horror adventure like no this is legit and that's that's something that they kind of bring us back to these basics to the old timey and uh, they don't just do it just for the sake of creating a shock value on a panel and we don't get the reveals you know as right up front like Mm -hmm. yes we saw the monster looming over Tommy, you know, but it wasn't as horrific as the, now what we're going to talk about, upcoming fight sequence, Yeah, you know, where it was engorged, where it was, you know, in badass mode, where it was, you know, the big bad end guy, everybody get out of 20s. It was just, it again, smartly done. I mean, these, these are things we should be talking about at the end, but, you know, just saying. No, well, I mean, it kind of tips away what's going to happen because you're finally walking in. It's like, you know, when you're playing a video game, you're finally walking in to see the final boss. Yeah, you oh, see yeah. that little save down in the bottom corner and you go, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much because as you're walking in, she, she even makes a comment like just about like even the smell coming out of the cave and mm-hmm. just like how just death is looming. And when you're seeing this play out too, you see that James is still outside of the cave this time, but somebody else has walked in with gun drawn. Dick back Danny. Yep, and that is Tommy. Or Tommy, excuse me. Yep, and Tommy is sitting there, and Erica's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm I'm sitting here stopping the killings. I'm going to be the hero. 
And she's like, you have no idea what is behind you. Good guy with a gun. Yep. And sure enough, behind him is this huge monster, the one that has been haunting the town of Archer Peak since issue one. And now you see that Erica is in there trying to fight it, but Tommy is sitting there, and he's being very reluctant to buy in, and he actually fires a shot at Erica. He misses, and it winds up hitting Jim. I mean, when this moment hits, I mean, what is going through your mind, Matt? Well, you you do something like this was coming because Tommy, again, he's that wild card. He doesn't take a second. He's very up in his feelings. He's very emotional. And, yeah, it drives the story. You need somebody like that at this point because things are going too smoothly for Erica and the crew. And so you need this mm-hmm. plot device, this antagonist. And But, again, though, it, it, does, speed bump. Yeah, it, it doesn't make it hit any less. Like James, who has been very brave, he didn't have to be here. He survived the attack. He very much could have not gone down into this hole and everything with her, but he's, he's trying to help her out. And now he's taking a bullet when he didn't have to at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, just going off what Matt says, it all, you saw it come, especially when Erica said you can't be in there. And then on top of it, the kid says, why? Because you're going to, you know, feed the the monster itself. Well, we find out that the monster uh, is blind, number one. Mm -hmm. Two, can smell blood. And three, I'm assuming, grows due to fear. Yeah. Well, he winds up waiting to catch this because, I mean, that's one thing. The children can see him, and, and it feeds off the fear. And it does play into, you know, why the victims are the age they are. Mm -hmm. Because this is a monster that's keyed in on young fear. And it really adds another layer to the horror of what's going on. So now you have a wounded James, and you have the other victim that was taken in issue three. Yep. And she's at the house. I believe her name is uh, Beyond. Beyond, yeah. Yeah. And you see that now Tommy is sitting there trying to figure out what's going on. Erica is saying, listen, if you want to be a hero, get them out of here. We can at least save some lives today. Right. And she does not falter. She does not flinch. She is completely as calm as can be during this. She's in work mode. Well, I mean, that just goes to add to her character. Like, as weird as it sounds, I mean, this is just another day at the office. But she's, even as the emotional attachment that James has to her, she's not letting that getting away from the overall goal. Like, she is that focused on it. And even when Tommy is sitting there trying to argue, Erica does something that we don't know the ramifications at this time, but she winds up stabbing him in the neck with a certain item from the Order of St. George. So, Matt, when you're seeing this happen and now Tommy gets taken on a little trip to the home base, if you will, what is going through your mind? I don't even know what to think at this point because then it's like, wait, what's happening now and it's like this travel and you're just kind of like dang it just just when you thought you knew how the story was going to play out we kind of add this moment and you're just like taken aback and i was very taken off guard because i didn't think that's how that was going to happen i thought tommy was going to get the kids out she was going to fight and that's that was going to be the end of it instead she shows him what's going on which is very clever to do and also dangerous for her to even do mm-hmm tom uh, as an avid Doctor Who fan and, you know, the whole mind melding and everything you see in Star Trek as well, it's, it's all timey-wimey. So to get the to get that, you know, psychic download kind of idea and now he, you know, should be able to see, you know, what's going on around him, it kind of made sense. It's like, yo, I'm trying to work. Here's what I'm doing. Now you're on the same level. Get your shit together. Yeah, I, I thought... Got, again, saw it coming. Well, you know what? I did, but I didn't. 
Now, I did also have fun with that whole boardroom scene, so we can talk about that in a second or oh, two. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to go back to that in just a second because I definitely want to dive into it because we go into where he's stabbed with the object from there. I believe it's Harlan Gold. I believe so. And he now sees the monster. He has now been exposed to the secret society of the Order of St. George. So she understands in the moment, if I'm going to save anybody, and this is what I thought made her a very strong character, with the amount of dead bodies that are there, she is still willing to risk her identity, her rank at the Order, and all things in between to save two lives which is so noble and so heroic. Admirable. Yeah, that she stabs him and now it says, here, welcome to my world. Do you understand what we're doing now? And at that moment, it comes together, albeit though he gets held up because he sees his dead sister. Mm. And I was like, that's just more like emotional impact. And you and like I say, it's just something with Tinian's writing. You just... You can't escape it, and you, in like even when you think that he's finally going to redeem himself, he's brought back down to where he started, and he's so grounded. And I just loved how they did this. He got super size on his oh shit sandwich. Yeah, and you know what? It plays out. But like I say, he also saw the Order of Saint George. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Tom, let's have you talk about this. Like, what is going through okay. your head here? So we see the board table. Board table. We're going to assume these are the higher ups. Um, they also all had their little. Uh, dolls, marionette, you know, figures, uh, very much looking like Scrump, you know, Scrump's variants from Lilo and Stitch. Uh, and I'm okay. I'm down. We see the monsters behind them, or the projections or emanations from them. But each of the members themselves all have masks. Uh, what I also found interesting is if you pay attention to it, you know, and pick apart everything like I do, uh, each of the different designs, aside from the colors of the masks. The teeth designs were different on mm-hmm. each of them as well, all around the table. It wasn't that, you know, the black was this, the blue was that, the green was this, the gold was that, so on and so forth. And I know, I believe somewhere down the line in one of the other books, we learn exactly what the meaning of the masks are. But at this point, we don't know what exactly they are. Matt, before I turn it over to you, I'm going to put up a book on the screen here. This is Book of Slaughter. Yes, the spinoff. Yep, yeah, this is a one-shot from Boom Studios. And if you really want a 101 about what the masks are and what they represent in the, in the true history of the order, this is a perfect book to pick up. And like I say, it's a very short story that ties into the overall story, but this really breaks everything down for you about what each mask represents. And, and it's just such a deep dive into the history of the order. So I definitely want to make sure to mention that book as well. And like I say, the cover, Dan Mora. Also, Francis Manipal did one, too. Like I say, the covers for this book are just amazing. Book of Slaughter. So that said, I mean, Matt, when you're seeing the different members of the Order come together and their dolls, like, what are you thinking at this point, too? It's almost kind of funny seeing, like, these intimidating characters with their mask, and then one has, like, a giraffe stuffed animal. And it's just kind of – it's intriguing, but at the same time, you can't help but kind of chuckle that this is – some menacing society and their power almost you feel like comes from these children's dolls. And uh, it's just funny is the easiest way I can describe my thoughts at that time. Yeah. I, I like, I think it's just such an interesting twist because you have this very super secret organization and they're so serious and just everybody's so, you know, focused on the goal. And then you see this table where everybody's got stuffed animals, even though there is something behind those animals. 
uh, or puppets, I should say. But it's just such an interesting twist. It's like, okay, not everything here is on the up and up. And there's more factors that are playing into the overall picture. What you want to say is irony of the fact that all this is going on with, you know, these menacing figures and these cute little dolls. But I think that the right word that we're looking for in this instance is dichotomy. Yeah. Mm. You know, how it's one, six of one, half dozen the other, both sides of the same coin. I think that's really where they hit home. Just in that, you know, one panel alone that you're getting the idea of it. Mm-hmm. So as it shifts back, Tommy finally gets the two lone survivors out for right now. Like, we don't know if James is going to live or die. And this is when Erica gets down to business and really just kind of steps up and is chainsaw in hand. And I love how when she went to the hardware store to go get the weaponry. In the montage. She wanted the stuff, not the new stuff. I want the old stuff, the stuff that's going to tear everything apart and not hold up. Because she understands, like, to take out a monster of this size, she needs something that is not going to be too fancy and get right down to business. So, like I say, you see this the chainsaw come in, and she goes right to work. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's other elements at play because somebody else has been trying to call in. And after Erica gets done fighting the monster, we do see that somebody is calling in, and Erica is sitting there talking to a voice known as Aaron. Aaron. Now, if you've read longer in the series, you know who that is. I don't. But trust me, that character is just as impactful as the story goes on. But the final image that we see is Erica sitting on top of the monster and saying, no, that was the mother. There are more out here. We need to kill everything here because this town isn't going to survive. And then... That's where it ends for this issue. Dun, dun, dun. So, I mean, Matt, when you're seeing this final image, like what's going through your head? Well, of course you like it. It wasn't that easy. She's not just going to go in there and kill it and that be that. It's never going to be a happy ending. And this story overall isn't going to ever be a happy ending. But it's it's great. You're hooked. At this point, you're hooked. Oh, mm-hmm. you're just like, damn, that was an epic fight sequence. Now there's more. She's in over her head. you got this mysterious voice on the phone. You're you're absolutely just hooked at this point, and you're dying for more. And then <laughs> no one, no, literally, that's yeah. what it was. It's just and then that's where it left off, and that was really smart. Um, I think that the whole idea of having the voice over the phone and getting to see the tattoo and everything, mm-hmm. there's some certain symbolism in that which I really enjoyed, and it ties back to the organization itself. Um, if you want, may I? Yeah, absolutely. So they're based on the Order of St. George, and you know, I always like seeing how we can get real life things in comic books. And St. George actually is a Roman Catholic saint who was known for slaying dragons. Ooh. In Yeah, in 14th century, there was a, a really nice, beautiful painting of it. And as a matter of fact, he's called George the Dragon Slayer. So to see that their tattoo is based around that, and I would even say that those masks are probably big old grins of dragons. I would say you're probably on the right path. And it really just kind of goes into just how detailed this organization is that has been around for you know centuries. And then, like I say, to have it end like that where we do hear the voice of Aaron Slaughter calling in and Erica is sitting there trying to explain what's going on. Meanwhile, there was somebody else that tipped off the sheriff that we don't know who exactly that is yet. You know, there's a lot more plots that are going on, but for the initial five issues, they really packed in a a very contained story that 
if you don't leave hooked by the end of the by the end of issue five with that last panel, they fail. And I really think that they nailed it right out of the park. Yep, I'm hooked. Yeah. So we we said a lot of the good things we liked. What is there, Matt? Is there anything you really didn't like about this? Honestly, not really. I, there wasn't any. I mean, if I really had to nitpick, it's all right. We're you know you're just plot devices. You know your your stereotypical plot devices. You have the dumb jock. You have the kid. You know mm-hmm. if, if that's if you're really nitpicking. But even then, I feel like they made sense to drive the story along in a clever way. It wasn't just your normal stereotypical. They actually served a purpose. Uh, so I, I don't really have anything that I'm just like, because eh, there's a lot to love. You're hooked. There's depth to each character. There's mystery and intrigue. You can see there's more than just to killing monsters. There's a whole other thing going on. And so I, I really struggle to find anything that's like, me. Oh, that's fair. Tom? Displaced closeted gay aggression. Okay. I had a problem with that, but you know, that's that's what you come to expect, especially if you're going to do the small town vibe and and then, you know, all of a sudden there's just, you know, out of left and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You were looking, you were, I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, they because they just want to give that uh, story to James and now like how he was in love with Noah, one of the other boys that were over at the slumber party. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they just kind of tie in just about how much emotional he was tied to this. And, and in fact, it even goes to play into when the monster kills Noah right in front of him and just how traumatizing that is. So, I mean, I had no problem with that. I like honestly, like for me, this is damn near perfect. I think if there was anything. But I, but I'm much like you, Matt. Like I'd have to really nitpick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, I would have to say, like in issue three, where we spent so much time about the other survivor, Abian. Like when seeing her sequence happen, like it, it. I don't want to say it felt forced, but it was like, here it is, and then we don't talk about it until issue five. And it was like going that, you know, spending that much time to do it. Like I thought that 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 was just maybe like okay. If we're going to do that, then maybe we should touch upon an issue four a little more. And and the other one is slaughter. Like that's a little too on the nose. Like if you're if you're going to have a monster hunter, like not slaughter. Like that's just me. I think that's a little too eighties. Like I'm Sergeant Slaughter approves. Yeah, yes. I, I mean it, exactly. Like it's you're just giving something the name for the sake of the name, not you know any type of deal or depth behind it now there could be down you know in any of the further issues of why their last names are slaughter or something in the world building but i think that was just a cop-out for me well if i will say this without giving anything away i think that you'll see as you progress in the story that there's a lot more details okay to come so there's i like reason I say, but behind the, everything yeah like i say the further along you go in this story and like i say they're only in issue 30 33 drops tomorrow 33 33 drops tomorrow. Like I say, they still got a long ways to go. I've heard rumors that it's only slated to go 75 issues. I then, like I say, I can't confirm that I've heard just, you know, uh, from other fans have said that, yeah, allegedly it's supposed to go 75, but still like for what they're doing, they really nail the point of doing the slow burn drama. And really you think about what they did just with five issues out of nowhere too. They really put together this captivating mystery about who is Erica Slaughter, what is her organization, why is she killing monsters, and really just gave fans enough to get hooked and then obviously lock you in by the end of issue five that you want to come see issue six immediately. 
and I think that it's just uh, you know something the Tinians are writing and say we're we're their delirious. Uh, you know, artwork, like I say, just phenomenal, like with Morito on the inks, just putting everything together and really giving this like such a like a dark, grungy feel for like a horror film, but didn't go over the top with it. Like, I think everything was so leveled on it that honestly, I did not see anything I really didn't like. And not only, you know, for like you're saying, the dark and grungy part, you know, a lot of times, especially in horror, you know, artists will tend to stay in those muted tones. Yeah. They'll tend to stay in browns and grays and, you know, steels and slate colors. This one had just the right amount of blues and it it really did make it a little bit more lively and more lived in than more of us watching from the outside. Mm -hmm. Fully agree. So art. before we sign off on it, I mean, Matt, what is your grade on volume one of Something is Killing the Children by Boom Studios? Man, you already know. Five out of five cigars for me. I, I loved it. I would really have to really... Tom, what was that face? I, don't, I, saw, I was reading something. Oh, it looked like you were like, oh, what? No, but seriously, yeah. though, I, I love this story. I was hooked. I, right from, I love a good horror, and I love a good horror that has depth. That isn't just needless all right, we're just killing people to kill. We're just driving the story along. This had a lot of intrigue to it, and uh, I was hooked. So, yeah, for me, it was easily five out of five. Tom? I will give it, uh, on my scale, an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, you know, again, I'm not the biggest guy into horror, and I think that a few things for the first volume were a little bit obviously tropey. So, you know, I, I can't give it a solid 10 because it's one of those, ah, it's all that coming. Yeah. Kind of idea. So that's for me. It's an 8.5. You know, for me, like I say, Tinian's writing is phenomenal throughout. And he does, and I've said this time and time again, and I say this with every book he, he does primarily, he is the master of the slow burn drama. And what he does is he really hooks you in as a reader. And, you know, like I said, with Werther Del Edera's writing, and I apologize for messing the name up earlier, um, like I say, with his artwork, and putting that together and giving this vivid imagery of what is happening with the series, and especially with the team behind it, it really puts together just such a vivid image and what you want to see in modern horror, but it doesn't really feel like that until you start seeing the monster come about. And it does touch more on the psychological aspect because when you're seeing the reaction of those in the town, that's the real horrific part because they don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing Erica come in and she's unfazed by this because she's seen so much of this. It's a Tuesday. Yeah. So when you start seeing this play out, it just is so captivating that, yeah, there might be like a moment here, a moment there that you're kind of like, eh, I don't know if I really you know see where that fits in. But by the time you get to that final image of her just sitting on top of the dead monster on the phone, talking to Aaron and saying, like, no, we have to go kill everything. This is just the mother. That is the moment that you know I have seen and I've read something absolutely fantastic. And like I say, I could not wait to pick up issue six after I was done reading it. So for my grade, a very strong 9.5 out of 10. I think this is this is very near perfect. Uh, like I say, there's a couple things here and there, but nothing that would ever make me say, like, nope, I'm out. Like, this is something that I have been reading ever since. And as you start progressing further in the story, you're going to have more emotional gut punches and really just get behind Erica Slaughter as a character. Mm -hmm. 
and especially now with what's going on with her and a certain character that has really tested her to the limits. Um, one of my favorite villains over the past year. Uh, it's been excellent reading. You are trying so hard not to spoil it for me. It's aren't hard. You? Yes, I am. Okay. It, it's hard because Matt knows exactly who I'm talking about. And she is one of my favorite villains of this year. <gasps> he gave away a spoiler. Yeah. Well, like I say, if you're picking it up as you should, you obviously know who I'm talking about. Okay. But yeah, they like say that's 9.5 for me. So before we get out of here, we got to get everybody's picks for new comic book day. And we do have an announcement at the end of the show. So Matt, why don't you kick us off? What should we be looking for at the comic shops this week? Man, first things first, Tom King has a new Wonder Woman run coming out tomorrow. And that mm. should be at the top of everybody's list. Straight up. Get your hands on that. That's coming out. Uh came out today, I guess, technically today's new comic for yep. DC. It's, yep, it's technically today. I got the review up on Nerd Initiative right now. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's fantastic. Yeah, get your hands on that. And then, um, of course, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Stranger Things has issue three out right now on their limited run. That is a really fun series. If you are a fan of like just 80s vibes, Stranger Things, TMNT, this is the comic book for you. Because honestly, the the writing adds a lot of depth to some characters from Stranger Things that you don't necessarily get in the show, which is why I'm really enjoying this run a little bit more. And so you got to pick that up. And then, of course... Just like we talked about, something is killing the children. Issue thirty-three, the uh, standoff at the the Great Corral, part three. That's out tomorrow. So, lots of great comic books coming out. Make sure you get your hands on them. Tom, uh, for me, another number one coming out tomorrow is uh, we get another Spider-Man with a different adjective or an adverb or whatever the heck it is. Another descriptory words. We're getting the uncanny. Oh, that's, that's right. That is Spider-Man. Tomorrow. That's right. We're going to be crawling up those walls, but not with Peter Parker. With a guy who crawls through the night, Kurt Wagner is going to be the new Spider-Man. Ooh, that's going to be a good, good series. I can't wait to pick that up. I, like, I just love the suit design. I saw a few of it's them. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, like I pulled it up here on the screen just to just tell Ken, like, this is the one I'm picking. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to spoil it. This is the one I just want to go that it's uncanny. And the fact that we're tying in that, yes, he is a mutant and he's from the X-Men and we're taking that uncanny X-Men and dropping it into uncanny Spider-Man. I think it sticks with me. Oh, no, it's absolutely perfect. Like, I love the suit design. Everything about that book just seems like it's going to be a real lot of fun. So I'm excited to go check that out. Uh, for me, there's a couple that definitely are jumping out. Uh, New Captain America drops tomorrow for Marvel. Um, J. Michael Straczynski, I believe, is on the writing duties. So I will definitely be checking that out. Um, also from Image Comics, Noctera, number oh, 16. Yeah. Scott Snyder and Daniel or Tony Daniel is wrapping up the current No Break story arc, which if you haven't picked that book up, it's a hell of a read. And it's going to be one that, like I say, I'm not sure what's going to be going down, but with those two getting together, it's always magic. Does that mean we need to do another Scott Snyder-based episode if this arc has come to a close? We can. There's there's another book of Scott's that I want to do first, but I'll bring that up later in the chat. Yeah. But yeah, there's something. But definitely, I would not mind talking Noctera at some point. Uh, Just a very cool story, and like I said, uh, Daniel's artwork is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, also, Boom Studios. Boom. Grim number 13 is dropping. Stephanie Phillips, Flaviano. Grim is, is not just a comic, it's a vibe. Like, seriously, it is one of the most visually impressive books every time out. The story is fantastic. And, like I say, I saw the cover. I don't want to give it away, but I'm like, I'm bracing for like an emotional gut punch. 
like just seeing it. I'm just like, because if you've been following what's going on, it's it, it looks like we're going to get some answers to some questions that I've been waiting to see for a couple issues now, and I'm just I'm bracing for impact. Will it lead to more questions? It probably it always will, does. But, but I'm excited for it. So definitely a lot to pick up at the comic shops this week. Like I say, DC's got a real strong week. We also got Marvel has a, a, a real good week, too. Boom Studios always dropping great stuff. So you definitely don't want to miss them. Image Comics doing big things. IDW Publishing, Dark Horse. Like I say, there's so much good stuff to pick up at the comic shops. You don't want to miss it. So that's why you hit that QR code that just popped up. New comic book day reviews every week starting at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. And also DC gets the Tuesday run. So I got four up there right now for Wonder Woman, number one, Nightwing 106, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, number 19, and Superman, number six. So if you're looking for some DC books, we got you covered there. And then also, kicking off at 9 a.m. tomorrow, you got the best of the best from the indies and the majors coming at you from nerdinitiative.com and the bullpen. Because trust me, if you're not reading what we're doing each and every week, you really need to fix that. Because, I mean, we are giving you a lot of great recommendations. I've heard nothing but fantastic feedback from you. So thank you, Nerd Initiative Nation, letting us know what you're picking up at the comic shops. Because, like I say, we got a lot of great stuff to talk about as well. But before we get out of here, we did have a contest this past weekend Please? talking about Batman. I'm yes. And I'm happy. I did it first. To, yep. And I'm happy to say we have a winner to announce and to really kind of break down what we were doing because obviously this weekend was Batman Day on Saturday. And we have the winner of the vote about what story we're going to talk about on Turn a Page. And that is Nightfall. I'm looking forward to this because I'm, I'm familiar with it. I, I know about it, but I have never read it. Like, I know the characters. I know the this. I know the that. And that's why I love doing this show because I get to finally learn these damn things. Yes. Sorry. Had a moment. So I will explain Nightfall obviously being such a lengthy story. We will split into two parts. <gasps> dot, dot, dot. We get a dot, dot, dot. Yes, we, we get a dot, we dot, dot, dot. Be continued. We will have a be continued. But... The voting was so tight, so tight be- between Nightfall and a death in the family. Was it seventy-five votes? It was close. It was really close. If anybody gets that, I appreciate it. Yes. Um, So we're definitely going to be doing Death in a Family on the show at some point. Back in the stream, thank you very much because, you know, technical difficulties. It's not a turn of page unless something pops in, but we're back. See, that's what happens. When you have a show that's so popular, the internet sometimes breaks. I don't make the rules, folks. I just go by them. We need something from Wayne Tech. Yes, we do. So with the Wayne Tech, and in case we just ducked out, just to remind everybody, Nightfall will be two parts. That's what you wanted us to cover. We are definitely going to hook you up with that. And, but the voting was so close. Death in a family. to you. The yes. People. <laughs> well played. But Death in a Family is going to be covered on the show. And I think we're going to dive into Hush, too, because I was having a lot of people mention, 
mentioned the show, mentioned the book, and they're like, we really would love to see you talk about this. And on top of it, let's also give a big, huge shout out to our winner, Josh Scott, for yes. you know, being being Absolutely. the guy who won. Because you know, cheers to him, and we love all these contests. We want to keep doing these contests. Interact, get in touch with us on social medias. Make sure that you know we're. This is the proof positive of exactly that we're here for you and you're here for us. And we want to keep that symbiotic relationship. Like, can I get it? You know, we want to make sure we're doing this for you out here. You know, internet, like talk with us, let us know what comic books you want us to do. That's what we're here for. I mean, it doesn't just all have to be about us. It's about you just as equal. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. This is an interactive show. That's why we try throwing in the chat. Brad, appreciate you chiming in there and everybody else is lurking. Like seriously, jump in the chat. We ask you to be involved. That's what we like to see. Yes. Yes, we do. We do like Brad. Shout out to, uh, all dice go to jail too, by the way. We'll give you a plug about that. I know those guys on there. Yes. I am one of those guys on there. But like Tom was saying, we want you to interact with us. So definitely hit us up on that QR code that you see at the bottom of the screen. Contact us. Let us know what stories you want to see us talk about on Turn a Page. Hey, hey Matt, can you point at the QR code? Because I can't anymore. Right here. Yes. Thanks. Up there. Oh, no. We lost him again. Ken's having difficulties, everybody. But make sure you absolutely go ahead, scan the QR code, let us know what you want to do. And it helps us read some really, really, really great comic books. And let's hope that Ken comes back because nobody can wrap the show up as well as Ken can. So there we go. He's back. Nope, he's gone again. There he is. We're gone, but we are back. So that must mean that Wayne Tech is, is coming. Is trying to shut us down. Somebody heard about Turn a Page and they're they like, the lights okay, off. We, "Yep, we, they're turning the lights off." So we got to wrap this up very, very quickly. So Matt, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and everything going on with Hops Geeks News? A thousand percent, right here, baby. That's the word. Go ahead, find us, Hops Geek News, any podcasting platform, any social media platform, whatever's left out there. I'm trying to keep up with them all. Uh, hopefully, I'll be getting back into the rhythm here soon. It felt great to be back in the chair tonight hanging out, talking some great comic books. And uh, yeah, if you liked what we did here tonight, come subscribe. This is what we do on the show. We actually just dropped a Dark Knight Returns comic book-centric episode on Hops Geek News where Lauren and I discussed the uh, the comic book by Frank Miller. So check us out. Absolutely. You definitely want to check out everything that's going on Hops Geek News, and especially that interview they did with Christian Ward, too, for City of Madness. Absolute yes. fire. Absolute fire. Tom? Let them know. You're going to find me everywhere right here on the QR code. That's right. And also on top of it, I am happy and proud to announce that I, too, will also be joining all these fine young folks at uh, New York Comic Con. I will be going under my own banner, but still, I will be there for you guys reporting lives from the NYCC 23. That's awesome news to hear because we got a whole group that is going down from Nerd Initiative and the ODPH. So it's going to be definitely fun times had by all there. So if you want to find out everything going on with me and the ODPH team, simple swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com or hit that QR code. See, that's how simple we make it for you. It's just a boom, click, and done, and that's how we do. Don't forget that other QR code. Two days left. It is red hot right now. Inferno Girl Red Volume 2. Get on it. Yes, you definitely don't want to miss that. And like I say, throwing up the quick plug. Also, for Wrestling Night Live, which is going to be going on Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to talk pro wrestling, you've just found your home for that as well. So we got a lot of stuff going on with that. Rich and the whole team of NI Wrestling is going to be breaking down the latest in WWE, AEW, much, much more. So you definitely want to drop that follow, drop that subscribe on Nerd Initiative YouTube, and make that happen, folks, because we're here putting a lot of work in for you as well. So we'll just end it like this, as we always do. When you're at a comic shop, 
and you see somebody struggling to pick up a great issue, and you got one that is absolute fire in your hands, such as something is killing children by Boom Studios, hand it off to them. Tell them to.